Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will preach a special Christmas message entitled, Is It Possible to Live Without Rules? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 8. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. I will read from chapter 8, verse 19 through chapter 9, verse 7. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? This is sheer mocking. Isaiah is mocking that you are stupid to consult the dead in behalf of the living to the law and to the testimony in other words we are to look to the bible that is the book of counsel and direction and knowledge and infallible truth that's what it says now if you don't want to look to the bible If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. They are blind and sitting in darkness, in other words. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Speaking about the life of those without God and without counsel, without the word of God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now that idea is brought into the New Testament as the destiny of those who are wicked. They will be cast into the outer darkness. In other words, speaking about hell, For those who will not consult the word of God and be guided by God's truth. Now comes, he speaks, spoke about gloom at the end of chapter 8. But now, notice, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. God is going to save certain people called his people. No more gloom. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. This literally received fulfillment in terms of Jesus Christ growing up and ministering in that part of the world. Therefore, many people were able to come to hear him and be healed by him and be saved by him. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, speaking about the coming Messiah. He said, I am the light of the world, and he is the light that certain people will see. Not all people who lived in Galilee or Naphtali uh, worshipped him, adored him, served him, believed him, no, but Certain people did. They are called the elect, God's 
eternally chosen ones. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. This is the effect of salvation as a result of their recognizing, seeing, worshipping, hearing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Harvest time in Israel was a time of great joy and great celebration. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder, there is a war and there is a defeat and you plunder. That was a time of rejoicing also. As in the day of Midian's defeat, which is part of Israel's history, and you know how God fought uh, against Midian and brought great victory uh, through Gideon. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This is speaking about the tyranny of sin and Satan. You see, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It is speaking about life under Pharaoh. That's the idea here. Uh, the slavery uh, to Pharaoh, slavery to Satan. Let me tell you, the life without Jesus Christ is a life of slavery. There is a bar of iron on the shoulders of these people. A yoke that burdens them. You see, he breaks. He came, the Messiah came and broke that yoke. Yoke of burden. And all of a sudden, the people were able to straighten out their neck. And they cannot believe it. And this is what literally happened when Jesus Christ invited, Come unto me. Those who are weary and heavy laden. Weariness of sin. Weariness of a life that is not governed by Christ and his truth. Come unto me, such people, I will give you rest. But notice, that doesn't mean there is no yoke at all. No, he says, take my yoke upon you. There is a yoke, there is a government. A yoke of divine instruction. It is not that the iron yoke is broken and so you are yokeless. No, you are yoked to Jesus Christ. But uh, modern people don't like that. They want uh, the yoke of burden to be taken away without any yoke put on them. But my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. In other words, all military equipment have been destroyed because Christ has won the battle and brought about liberation for his people. And so, they are, you see, they are having great rejoicing. Uh, St. Peter says, with joy, unspeakable, inexpressible joy. And so, that is the state of affairs of those who have been saved by this Messiah. And so, the explanation, how come <laughs> they are in great joy? So, Isaiah gives the explanation for, here is the reason, for a child is born to or for us. 
and the Son is given for us. In other words, it is his doing. The emphasis is in the Hebrew text is upon the child, because that's the first word, and upon the son. That is the word that is emphasized. So all this liberation, all this salvation, all this joy is because of a child that speaks about the human nature of Jesus Christ and then a son that is given. See, he's the second person of the Trinity that speaks about the deity of Jesus Christ. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. If you don't believe it's going to happen, there's a signature at the end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. And that is what we are celebrating this season. This is the fulfillment of the promise made by Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. So, is it possible for anybody to hang with Jesus for fun? Is it possible for anybody to live without rules? It is impossible if you understand who this child is and who this Jesus Christ is. If you understand the person of Jesus Christ, you will never dare to bring him down, to discount him, to reduce him to a body, to a body so you can hang with him and have fun with him. See, our bodies are just like us, sinners who need a savior. We are talking about God, man, his God. And I don't want to labor that point. We are told he is mighty God. In fact, all those four names, if you want to see four, some people see five, wonderful counselor, the word wonder stands for deity. Mighty God, God, stands for deity. Everlasting Father, the word everlasting, stands for deity. And the Prince of Peace. Prince stands for deity. See, in other words, he's God. Have you ever thought about that? If you understand. Remember, he asked the question, who do you say that I am? The unbeliever said he's a Samaritan and he does these things by Beelzebub. Others said he's demon-possessed. Who do you say that I am? And there comes out of the mouth of Saint Peter that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. God, man. And if you understand that, You will not hang with him for fun. And you will not ask for a lawless life. You will bow down and worship him. You will adore him. You will join the heavenly choir. Glory to God 
in the highest meaning. Glory to God who dwells in heaven. And peace on earth. The effect and the result of this Messiah's work is peace to those upon whom God's favor rests. Do you take Christianity seriously? Or is it just a fun? If you are saved, if you, have, if you are saved by him, you will worship him. You will adore him. You will tremble before him. So, secondly then, he is not only God. He is God. That's number one. Number two, he is king. And he is everlasting king. He is the final king. There is no king after him in the house of David. He is the final everlasting king. Jesus Christ is king. He is the Lord of David, Psalm 110. And he is also the royal son of David. Now this is uh, stated here. And the government will be on his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and so on. Now that comes straight from Davidic covenant which we read about if you turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7 where God made a covenant with David. And this is the covenant. 2 Samuel 7 beginning with verse 13. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Notice that word, forever. And there was no king in the house of David who ruled forever. And in fact, the kingdom just dissipated. And the people of, uh, of that kingdom became slaves. As you read in the book of Nehemiah, we are slaves. Chapter 9 of Nehemiah, we are slaves. But here a promise was made to him by God. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But, notice, my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. So David's throne is an eternal throne. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so all of a sudden, there is the fulfillment. A virgin, in fact the virgin, the virgin, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and gave birth to a son. And listen to what? Gabriel is speaking. And Gabriel has reference to 2 Samuel 7 as well as Isaiah chapter 9. Here is in Luke chapter 1 what God spoke to David in 2 Samuel 7 and what God spoke through Isaiah concerning the kingship of the Messiah. In chapter 1 of Luke, angel Gabriel appeared to Mary in Nazareth 
And he says in verse 32, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. He is the final and everlasting king of his kingdom. And he has a people and he will rule them. Now you see the utter stupidity when people say we have no rules. So you have reduced Jesus. You took away his transcendence, his deity. And what is left is a man and a body man. A sinful man like us so we can have fun with him. We have a man who just came attending a very large church in the Bay Area. And he said, Pastor, I was there. I was disappointed. There is no gospel at all. It's supposed to be a Bible church. Nobody will dare to say that you are a sinner. You need to repent. And you need to come under the Lordship of Jesus. And nobody dares to say. And so I want to tell you, if you understand who he is, you don't want to hang with him for fun. He will never let you. He demands that you worship him. Secondly, he is king. He is the Lord of David and the royal son of David. As we observed in Second Samuel 7 and Isaiah 9 and Luke chapter 1. The throne of David, this promised eternal kingdom and throne belongs to this child, to this son, the son of Mary. The angel Gabriel spoke to Mary that her son is given the eternal throne of David, final and everlasting king. No one succeeds him. He destroys all other kingdoms. Remember the the revelation given to Daniel that a stone coming down from heaven and hits the feet of the image representing all kingdoms, Daniel 2, and destroying it completely. And in its place there, this stone, stone represents authority and government, grows and grows and what? Fills the earth. Let me tell you, you can never escape him as God. And you can never escape him as king. His government increases one way or the other. Either by defeat of and destruction of his enemies and by the salvation of his people. It is increasing. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at Gabriel going at the command of God. He goes to Nazareth, enters into this girl's house and greets her. Why? It is it's the way the angels operate. Complete and joyful and instant and glad obedience to this great king. He destroys all other kingdoms. His kingdom is forever. He alone rules in justice and righteousness to the ends of the earth. 
of the increase of his government and what? Shalom, peace, there will be no end. I spoke this morning, how come you are miserable? How come you are fearful? How come you are anxious? How come you are crazy? How come you are confused? Well, I, let me give you a secret, brothers and sisters. Without his government, there is no peace. Isaiah later on says, there is no peace for the wicked. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And this idea that somehow we can negate him as king and we can X his rule and at the same time have tranquility and peace and soundness of body and soul never works. First is government. Whose government? This king's government. God the Father made him king of kings and lord of lords. You go ahead and try. Try for peace. Try for tranquility. Without him, it will never happen. If you want more peace, you welcome more of his government. It's a very nice idea, isn't it? Because government and peace are directly proportional. Not inversely proportional. More peace, less government. It doesn't work. It's directly proportional. If you don't want this, you can go for muttering and whispering. Uh, you can talk to spiritists and mediums and experts who speak nonsense. Uh, you find them at the university. You can get uh, there or you can get any other place. The, Jesus Christ is hated and his book is hated. And they glory in their stupidity and they are proud of their stupidity. But I'm just telling you, how come you cannot sleep? How come you have no peace? How come? I guarantee and I speak by divine authority. It is because you don't want his government. He is the prince of peace. Outside of him there is no peace. He is the one who brings peace. And when a person says, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. Unless you can hang with him for fun, unless you can, I can reduce him and take away his godhead and his kingship, doesn't work. So I just want to give you some counsel. You want peace? You want tranquility? You want success? Then get under his government. Welcome him as king. What is the good news? Hmm? Thy God reigneth. Isaiah 52 and verse 7. There is no end for the increase of his government. Meaning, no one can oppose him. No one. No one. And the first coming was in humiliation. But the second coming is going to be in great manifest glory. No one. No one. No one. No nation. No united nations can oppose him. We better say with John the Baptist, let him increase and let me decrease. Because he is destined to increase, his government will increase. This is why I'm speaking to those 
who are rebellious. See, rebellion is like what? Witchcraft. Let me tell you, where there is rebellion, there is demon activity. I was the other day listening to Dr. Derek Prince. And he said the same thing. Where there is rebellion against God, there is demon activity. Demon activity. And so, none can oppose him. He is king of kings and lord of lords. In fact, the wise men came and said, where is the one one? Born king of the Jews, as Isaiah prophesied. He's born king of the Jews. He's born king of kings and lord of lords. But he is not only born king, king of the Jews, he is king of the Gentiles. He king, he's king of everybody. Every Buddhist must surrender to him. Every Muslim must surrender to him. Every Hindu must surrender to him. Every Jehovah's Witness and every cultist must surrender to him. Every atheist must surrender to him. He's not just the king of the hill of Zion. He's king of the whole world. And if this is true, how come you are stubborn? You've been confronted by those who love you. And how come you are still stubborn? means you haven't understood who he is. He's God. And he's king. He's king for us. See. For our benefit he's king. So the church must rejoice in his great power and great wisdom and great rule. Because his kingship benefits us. For us. For our advantage and benefit. He destroys all who will refuse to surrender to him. He saves all who will confess what? Jesus is Lord. That word Lord has two meanings. God and King. As well as Savior. So when as some of you were baptized today. I don't know whether you understood anything. But this is what it means. That you acknowledge him as God and Lord and Savior. Therefore you surrendered your life. To him forever. To obey him. To worship him. To ask him. What do you want me to do O Lord? Saul of Tarsus. This arrogant man. Who was persecuting the church. And arrested by this king. On the road to Damascus. And he asked the question. Who are you Lord? And the answer came. I am Jesus of Nazareth. Whom you persecute. So they are right. He rose from the dead. He is Lord. That's what uh, Stephen said. What do you want me to do, O Lord? And he confesses many years later, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision of the glory of the resurrected Christ. He is king. So nobody is going to be saved without confessing That he is Lord, that is my Lord, as well as the Lord of the whole universe. Number three, he is also Savior. Because he is God and because he is King, he is Savior. So when you read chapter 9 of Isaiah 1 through 5, you notice this profound celebration of joy. What is the reason? Because... This child, this son, saved them. He's the Savior. He is the Savior. 
He is the cause of joy for those who lived in darkness and those who were under the tyranny of Satan. His name is Jesus. We read that in Matthew 1 verse 21 and Luke 1 verse 31. And Matthew explains that name and says, For he will save his people from their sins. Now what does it mean to save from sins? Let me tell you, there is sin. We are sinners by nature. That's our problem. We are so used to it, we don't even recognize it. It is like uh, you smell urine. I remember going and cleaning sick person's home when we started this church and the whole house was urine. But I don't think that person had any problem with that. She was used to it. You see, we are used to our sin. We are used to disorder. We are used to craziness. We are used to miseries. We've been living with it all these years. We are used to it. Remember, I think it is Acts chapter 3. This man, born lame, you know, he, he was happy with it. He was not asking for healing or anything. He heard there was Jesus and all that. <laughs> he just, what does he want? A little money. And we got little money. We are seriously crippled, but we do have what? Money, even though it is getting less and less. As long as we get a little money, we are all happy. He saves us from sin, that is from curse. He saves us from sin's guilt, that's number one. He saves us from sin's guilt. Secondly, he saves us from sin's pollution. Sin pollutes us. Even our thinking. Everything is polluted. And he saves us from the power of sin. You know, he who is saved. Before he was a thief. But all of a sudden. He steals no longer. And he works with his hands. And that, that he gives to people. And he who lied. No longer lies. He was who was drunk. He is no longer drunk. He who was beating his wife up. No longer does so. He who was a slave to internet pornography, he is no longer doing it. Power of sin. Jesus Christ saves us from its guilt, from its pollution, from its power, and finally from its punishment. From its everlasting punishment. Jesus Christ saves us. Saves us from, but also he saves us for something. He saves us for glory. He saves us for blessings. He saves us for fellowship with God. He saves us for eternal life. He saves us so we can be adopted as sons. So we can be heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. So we can have authority and rule. He saves us. These rebels, this nothing, this wretched, miserable people who sat in darkness with chain and bars and yoke of burden, all of a sudden liberated by Jesus Christ, this child, this son, this mighty God, this great king, his savior, he saves you. He saves you. He saves you for eternal pleasures in his presence. There is fullness of joy. And on his right hand, pleasures for ever 
more. And how does he save? He saves us by his life and by his death. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We needed a God-man to save us. And you read Hebrews chapter 2. And we found a God-man, a qualified mediator, a qualified representative, perfect God, perfect man, who died on the cross for our sins and was raised for our justification. He saves us by his death. And you treat him with as a buddy to hang with him for fun. He's God. And he is king, he is savior. Not only that, we are told he is savior of the world. Samaritan woman, Samaritan people, they said, you are savior of the world. And St. Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. Every Hindu, every Buddhist, every Muslim, every person in the entire world, there is only one savior. How many preachers preach that? They are afraid and fearful and timid. Shrink back. They don't want to say one word about it. There is no other savior. Every other religion is lie, deceit. And God is more angry with all these religions because they are all cover-ups for their sin. They are all human attempt to oppose God's clear revelation. He is savior of the world. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. The Magnificat. In Luke chapter 1, Mary, Mary is song. And here Mary says in verse 47, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my, what is it? Savior. Now turn to the next chapter, chapter 2 and verse 7. No, verse 11, chapter 2 and verse 11. Listen to the angel. I suppose it is Gabriel. It is not so stated. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I hope you made the connection. In chapter 1, verse 47, Savior is God. And here, a Savior has been born. Jesus Christ is God. And Jesus Christ is man. And Jesus Christ is what? Savior. You want to hang with him for fun? He wouldn't let you. Because he is God, he is king, and he is savior of you. A savior was promised in Genesis 3. A savior was promised by Isaiah as the virgin-born son who is mighty God. The promise was fulfilled after 700 years of Isaiah's prediction. The virgin Mary became pregnant, not by a man, but by divine action, and brought forth, she brought forth a son, Jesus. Who is he? He is God. He is King Eternal. He is the only Savior of the world. To us, a child is born. To us a son is given. Look at the dative of advantage to us. 
for us, for our benefit. Or the angel says, I proclaim to you. Or I preach good news of great joy to you, to you as specific people. Or, as the angel said today, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. My question is, is he your God? Did you take advantage of him? Is he your God? Did you worship him? Is he your king? Did you surrender to him? And embrace his rule and his laws of the increase and peace. Don't sympathize with him. Don't sing lullabies. Don't be sentimental. There are people who have come to this church. Some of them died now. After 82 years or 87 years of celebrating Christmas, they died without Christ. What a cursed bunch of people. Every Christmas is a great opportunity to surrender to this God, to this King, and to this Savior. Are you that people for whom the child is born? For whom a son is given. If you are. You will repent and believe on the savior. This king. This God man. So the question is. Is Jesus Christ your God. Your king. Your savior. He has come to you. Have you come to him. He says come to me. All those who are weary. And heavy laden. I will give you rest. Have you seen a great light? Has your iron yoke of burden been broken and shattered by him? Have you experienced liberation, salvation from guilt of sin, from its pollution and power and punishment? Do you understand a saved for Adoption and blessing and rule and authority and pleasures forevermore. And if he is your God and if he is your king and if he is your savior, you have a divine right to be happy. Have a happy Christmas. If Jesus Christ is not your savior, king, God, You are still in your sins. You are a slave to fear. It is utterly impossible for you to be happy. My counsel to those is, won't you repent and believe on this Jesus, the Savior of the world? Won't you come to him and acknowledge and say, you are God and you are my God. You are king of kings and lord of lords. You are my king. Rule my life. That I may have peace and greater peace. And finally you are savior of the world. But you are my savior. Because I want you also to have a happy Christmas. Heavenly Father. Deliver us from sentimentalism, silliness, 
stupidity and emptiness, they help us to take advantage of your promise, which says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. This is an abiding principle. This is a promise from you based on the conditions you laid down. And many people in the history of God's people responded to this promise, responded to these conditions, and you blessed them. You forgave their sins. You heard their prayers. You healed their land. So, God, help us to renew our covenant. Help us to put away our stubborn arrogance, stiff-neckedness, and help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be responsive to your word. Help us to bend our neck, that our neck may carry the easy yoke of Jesus Christ. That in the coming year we may be a blessed people. That we may find the joy of the Lord. That we may enjoy great joy. That we may experience very great joy. That we may experience eternal pleasures. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Join us next week for more transforming Bible teaching.